Hello! If you're hearing this, that means you get the internet. And if you get the internet, that means you can watch the live stream of the live show that we just did recently. We did a half the Noose Olympian, half Potterless live stream live in North Carolina, and it was an absolute blast for TNO. We did the first two chapters of the first book in the Heroes of Olympus series. And for Potterless, we did an improvised Big Brother format where we put a bunch of Harry Potter pets in a battle to see which magical pet would reign supreme. The video has gorgeous visuals and crisp audio, and it's a multi-cam set up so it feels very dynamic like you were there you can watch that stream until march 17th at 11 59 p.m and you can get tickets at my website shubes s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour again that is s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour to watch the replay of the half potterless half the new Olympian live show that we did recently i hope you enjoy it Sup, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the us going to a Cubs-Yankees baseball game together to the Cubs beating my Yankees in embarrassing fashion. It's Adam Amawala. Adam, how's it going? It's very big of you to acknowledge that. I know you were uh, a little bit a little bit upset that I tweeted something from the horse account. Uh, very much about baseball when I went to the Friday game that the Cubs won. But yes, I went to all three games. Mike joined for the last one with, uh, with his lovely wife, Kelly. And uh, it was an entertaining game. I understand mm-hmm. your frustration because it was... The Cubs kind of won ultimately on a botched play by the second baseman for the Yankees. Yeah, it's one of those cliche things that normally I don't support, but in this case, it is what happened. It wasn't that the Cubs won, it's that the Yankees lost. Like, the reason we gave up runs after we took the lead was a big error by our second baseman, and then also one of our pitchers just walking three guys in a row, which is just not what you want to do to just be like, what if we started this one with the bases loaded and nobody out? But let's not get too baseball in the weedsy. It was still a fun game, it was still a fun time, but the outcome from my perspective as a Yankees fan could have been better, could have been better. Fair enough, fair enough, but we had a good time and it's the friends you make along the way, you know. That is true. It is the friends you make along the way. Now, before we talk about basketball in this episode and before we answer lots of questions since this is an NBQ&A episode, let's get prepared to do so in the Teal Memorial Locker Room. Teal having a great time. Not worrying about walking pitchers or botching ground balls to second doesn't have that stress to deal with. I don't think it was on purpose, but you did say walking pitchers, and no one has to worry about walking pitchers because they don't get to hit anymore. Yay, good, good riddance. I love the designated hitter. Uh, But yeah, let's (laughs) go to the Teal Memorial locker room where we can talk about lots of things in prep for talking about basketball. You know who also doesn't have to worry about walking pitchers? Probably our producer-level patrons. Our producer-level patrons. Shout out to Polly Burridge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Javon Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris, How About Them World Champion Denver Steam Nuggets, and Reed, Steph Curry is really good at golf. Very good. Do you know this? I do know this, and it's also like a thing with basketball players, specifically three-point shooters tend to be very good at golf because it's very muscle memory focused, and Hmm. both elements, shooting three-pointers and doing a golf swing is very uh, muscle memory heavy. So that's a weird thing. Like, I, I don't know if it's Ray Allen or JJ Reddick, but like three-point shooters tend to be good at golf. Yeah. Well, having said all of that, if you don't mind just giving me that name one more time, I just want to prepare for something. Of course, of course, of course. Steph Curry is really good at golf. Bang. Oh, I thought you were going to say 
four. But I guess it wouldn't be if he was good at golf. That makes sense, too. <laughs> I guess I ultimately, what I was going for was you have to be quiet during golf. What it ultimately turned oh, into was yeah, some yeah, sort of yeah, like yeah, ASMR, yeah. which I hadn't planned on. But, you know, for anyone who enjoys it, you know. <laughs> You're welcome. Hi, Trish, Nicole, Arsenal, Stubby Boardman gets paid, Chase Andrulo, Mr. Bubbles plays ball, Naked Rachel, and Sidney Crosby is a vampire. Would like also to add one particular thing here to the producer-level patron shout-out. Salvatore Testa recently had a baby. Whoa! And by that, I mean him and his wife teamed up to have a baby, and... Sounds like they trusted the process. They trusted the process, and it worked, and they've got a kid, and I'm very happy for them. And Sal is very tall, and his wife is very tall, so I'm excited for horse episode 786, where we talk about, you know, the tiny testa that is terrorizing the NBA. Ooh, nice alliteration. Very nice. Well, congratulations mm. to Sal and uh, and Sal's wife. That is lovely news. And I want to give a shout out also to a, a fan of ours who came out to a show of mine over the weekend. I feel really bad mm-hmm. because I, I know for sure his name is Brendan or Brandon, and I can't remember which one it is. But to the listener of Horse who is visiting from Charlotte, thank you very much for coming out to my show on Saturday. Saturday and for coming to say hello and for the lovely words. We're, we're glad you enjoy the show and also that you enjoyed my show. So uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Amazing. Love that stuff. You know what else I love? I would say getting some dough from sponsors so we can keep doing this little pod. Exactly. And it's also really fun when you get dough from a company that does good things, which is the sponsor of this episode, Tab for a Cause. Tab Uh-oh. for a Cause I already can tell that the tab monster you're going to ask, and I wish I had planned better, but you know, I'm not, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Anyway, go ahead. Tab for a cause is something that can take a tab monster like Adam and channel that energy into good. It is something that you install in your browser. You go to tabforacause.org slash horse. You install it. It takes like three or four clicks. It's super simple. And then every time you open a tab, you get a nature background photo and the time is displayed. And I think you can customize widgets and stuff in there. And you might also see some ads in the corner, but those ads raise money for charity. So every time you open a tab, you get a heart and then you can take those hearts and decide what charity Tab for a Cause gives that money towards. They've really great organizations like Water.org or DFTBA's charity, the one run by Hank and John Green. Lots of good organizations there. Now, we will do our Tab Monster check. Adam, how many tabs do you have open? I have five open, and they are all for this episode of Horse. I will tell you that I have six tabs that are related to Horse right now, Mm -hmm. but those are part of a larger group of tabs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that also include one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten other ones. But I should also own up to the fact that I have a full separate Chrome open with six other tabs. Mm-hmm. That's fine. You know, you with tabs is me with unread emails. If we ever have email for a cause or something, then I would be put on blast because I'm the type of person that uses Mark as unread of, oh, yeah, I'll get to this later. Yeah. And then I don't. I'm pretty bad with it, too. I don't get to it. Right. We're doing it right now. In your main email address, how many unread do you have? Mm -hmm. That's a tricky question of main. My work one has 39, which I would consider more of my main. I used to have one, a personal main that unfortunately became one of those ones where I Mm -hmm. get like a lot and now I don't really like check it as much. That has 6,598. Oh, wow. All right. Well, (laughs) I'm somewhere in the middle of that. My primary email, I have 1,625 unread messages. But I will say... I'm a great texter. I never have any oh. unread texts. Mm-hmm. I respond to mm-hmm. things. I'm very diligent about that. You're a fantastic texter. I think you are the only person that I know of of my friends that matches my texting thing of like, I have zero unread text messages. I never let anything slip. I yeah. always reply. And that's part of the problem is like, I'll get like a work email and then you'll text me about 
the bulls and i'll be like well obviously i gotta reply to this text message (laughs) i gotta reply to this text message first it is true i do value texting higher than something else like if i get an email i feel no obligation to respond immediately but a text Mm -hmm. i'm like well clearly this person wants to hear from me now yeah i'm the sort of Uh person who if it takes me more than like an hour to respond to something i always start with like hey sorry for the delay and most other people don't even i think consider that to be a delay that's we're on the same page and that's why we are friends Mm -hmm. this has been the longest ad read ever for it's advertising Go to tbforacause.org slash horse. Get signed up and start raising money for charity today. And now at this point, you're going to hear some other advertisements. Some of those might be read by us, like from our new sponsor, AG1. Others of them won't be. The ones that are not read by us are inserted locally. So if you live in a country that doesn't speak English, that ad might be in your country's native language. But once those ads are complete, we'll continue this episode of Horse. Cool. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. With those complete, Adam, anything going on in your life that you want to talk about? I don't think there are a ton of huge updates since a couple weeks ago. So I'll just remind people to uh, either go to my website, adamamawala.com slash standup, or you can check out any of my social media for upcoming shows that I have in New York and elsewhere. What about you? Yeah, similar thing. Same kind of shows. Nothing new has been announced yet. But if you want to go to schub.es slash tour, you can see if I'm bringing any of my live shows to a city near you or a city that you would like to visit on vacation for fun. That's true. And I I guess I will say that since the last time we recorded, I booked some of my first stuff for 2024, including uh, headlining a club in Montana. So that's kind of interesting. That's super fun. Yeah, it's called Last Best Comedy. It is in Bozeman, Montana, and I've heard great things, and I will be there the first Friday of next year, but uh, plenty of time for me to talk about that later. Yeah, start walking to Montana now, and you'll get there before the show. That's true. We do want to be uh, understanding of people who are still living in some sort of Oregon Trail reality, where if they want to be in Montana (laughs) by January, they got to plan now. They got to start moving. (laughs) Uh, so with that complete, normally we would get into NBQ&A, but this episode is an NBQ&A episode, so I think we should get into Full Court Press, get it like the news. I agree, and I think we should do that as well. Yeah, there is some spicy news around us. I think we've got the Dame stuff to cover, and we've got, just as we all anticipated, the Victor Wembanyama slash Britney Spears NBA Summer League crossover. Either of these you'd like to chat about first, Adam? Oh, gosh. The Wemby one, I think, is the most fun and ridiculous, and it also sounds like something that we would have invented just for the purpose of talking about it on horse, so mm-hmm. pretty fun stuff. Would you like to give people some, yeah. Let's, let's start with that. Give, give people some context as to what the hell we're talking about. So in a ridiculous manner, I was checking the NBA subreddit, as I often do, and I saw a report on there a couple of days ago. We're recording this on July 11th. Saw a report on there a couple of days ago that Britney Spears was filing assault charges against the Spurs staff because apparently one of Victor Wembanyama's security guards at NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, according to this report, slapped her in the face and they were pressing charges. So there was a whirlwind of, oh my goodness, what happened? The security guard didn't realize that it was Britney Spears, which it's always funny when it's like, at that point in time, we thought it was a security guard just like 
backhanding, and I think they even said that, but just like backhand smacking someone in the face. And then the whole thing was like, well, he didn't realize it was Britney Spears. If it was a different 40-year-old white woman, that's okay. But because it's an important person, like he wouldn't have done it otherwise. So it was this very confusing thing. And then I don't know if you saw the TMZ video that came out a couple of days ago, but there's now video footage of it. And it is not anything like what was described. In the initial report was said was that she like tried to tap Victor Wembanyama on the shoulder, which is funny because that's like a feat. That is an active feat. He's really tall. His shoulders are high in the air. And then the report said like the security guard went to like smack her hand out of the way and then also connected with her face and knocked her over, blah, blah, blah. Then Victor Wembanyama was asked about it. And in a very like I have been coached on my response thing, he said that he was grabbed by her, not on his shoulder. And then he didn't pay attention or he didn't see what happened because he was instructed by the security staff like to not pay anyone like this any mind and to just go. So he didn't look around and see anything. And then the Teamsy video came out. And what it truly is, is like she tries to get his attention. She keeps saying like, sir, sir. She touches him on like the middle of the back. So like, I guess where anyone else's shoulder would be. Uh, and then <laughs> the security guard kind she's of. She's pretty tiny also, I think, right? Yeah, I think she's like 5'2 or something. Yeah. So touches him in like the middle of the back. The security guard just kind of like slaps her hand away. And her own hand kind of hits her in the face, but like not super hard. And then right. a couple of people around her go like, don't you know who that is? That's Britney Spears. And then that's the video. Right. Yeah, I have a couple thoughts on it. The first is people really need to be careful about misrepresenting things that might end up later existing on video. Like, I mm. feel like this is not the first time that somebody's tried to like characterize something a certain way. And then there is actual physical video evidence of it. And everyone's like, well, now we just think you're lying. So mm -hmm. the whole story was a little weird. It also involved Britney Spears saying like, oh, I saw him earlier and then, you know, I wanted to say hello. And then we like saw him also at a different hotel. But the the most wild part to me, and I think I tweeted this from the, the horse account. I need to pull it up. It was, <laughs> it was something about Britney Spears, like using a British accent when she talked to him. Did you see that? Part? Oh, interesting. No, I missed all of this. Yeah, it was very strange. So it says, uh, an eyewitness has also claimed Spears approached Wembanyama and said in a British accent, excuse me, sir, excuse me, sir, before screaming, this is fucking America, after the alleged assault as Victor walked into the restaurant. None of that seems substantiated either. It's just funny to picture, and I want to be clear that I'm not saying that happened, but that would make it even stranger. And uh, mm -hmm. my ultimate takeaway is famous people need to remember that when they're in a situation where nobody knows they're famous, like normal people shit will happen to them. What I mean by uh -huh. that is they're like any if anyone else did that, I'm not saying that a security guard should be like unnecessarily violent with someone, but if right. you try to grab an incredibly famous person, I'm sure in the same way that people have tried to grab Britney Spears, there's going to be mm -hmm. someone around to stop you from doing that. Right. And to the security guard's credit, he is just kind of like knocking the hand away. It was not very much like a egregious thing. It was just a forceful like don't touch him kind of thing. Right. And there was a situation similar to this. We're talking arguably about golf more than we've ever talked about it on this show. But <laughs> there was a situation like a month ago where it was some sort of like major tournament. Some dude hit a, a game winning putt or whatever it was. And a friend of his who was also a professional golfer came running onto the green to congratulate him. But it wasn't clear to anyone working security that this was also a professional golfer. So they tackled him. And to his credit, he was like very good natured about it. He was like, I totally get it. Like, I didn't make it clear who I was. You mm -hmm. have to act first and figure it out later because like 
if the security guard takes the time to be like, oh, I'm sure this is someone he knows, and then the guy comes up and like stabs him, then it's going to be that guy's fault. And I'm not even saying that dramatically. Like that happened in mm-hmm. tennis. Like Monica Seles, a very famous yeah. women's tennis player, was was stabbed during the French Open, I think it was. So like, you don't know who's running up to someone. You kind of have to like do your job of being a security guard first and then whatever happens, happens. But yeah, all that to say, it was a truly bizarre story. And one of those things that when I first read it, I was like, this is the most Mad Lib sounding headline I've ever seen. Right, for sure. It was one of those not the onion kind of things where it just feels too absurd to be true. And then speaking of too absurd to be true, How does TMZ do it? How do they always do? They always get the video. I guess it's just money. I think it's money. They just offer people lots of money. But like, do they like put out a call for the videos? Like, I don't follow them on any sort of social media. So I don't know if they're like, hey, if you saw this thing, send us a video and we'll talk money. Like, do people just know? Like, if you were there, I mean, I would probably do the same, especially for something like low stakes like this. Obviously, TMZ has done horrible things in the past with like actual tragedies. But like, if I was there and I happened to be like taking an Instagram video of Victor Wembanyama because I saw him and then I got this on camera, I would be tweeting at him all over the place, be like, give me the funds, baby. <laughs> well, and I hope that people are talking that price up, right? Because if you do have that one angle of it and they're mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, because I'm sure they hope that people don't understand the value of it. And they're like, oh, we'll give you right. a $20 Cheesecake Factory gift card. Sure. <laughs> I feel like you've tweeted that before when people like say, hey, can we use this video? And you're like, well, can right. you compensate me for the fact that yeah. I took it? I was at the Aaron Judge 62 home run game and I was filming every single at bat. And when he hit it, I posted a video of it. And it was like a good video. Like I did it on like 4K, 60 and everything on my phone. and some random news outlet either replied to it or sent me a DM. I think they sent me a DM. They're like, hey, can we use this video on our news coverage and we'll like tag all your socials? And I was like, sure, how much will you be paying me? (laughs) And they were like, oh, we don't have the ability to do that. Like, we will tag all your social media, give you full credit. I was like, you're going to run ads on the article, right? Like, pay me money. (laughs) So then they didn't reply. Yeah, I'm sure they got (laughs) footage from any of the other hundreds of people who who also had a video and didn't care. Hey, a note to everyone. Exposure isn't payment. Get paid for your work. Facts. Anyway, that has been Britney Spears and Victor Wembanyama. Let's go on to the Damian Lillard stuff, which is more of the normal sort of drama that we talk about here, a horse. But in a way that makes me sad because I would have liked the simplicity of Dame just sticking with the Blazers mm-hmm. and all that. That being said, like, if you want to try to get a ring, go for it. You're in your prime. You had a great season. The Heat are kind of like one piece away. I get it. But it's not fun to see this drag out, and it's dragging out, and I just want it to be over. And I'm not even invested in either team. Yeah, I have a hard time criticizing Dame because he has put up with a lot in Portland, and I think his intention truly has been to stay there and build a winner with the Blazers. But it's interesting how quickly someone's reputation can go from being like an upstanding team guy to being a diva. Like, it's all transpired within a couple of weeks where the reports are basically that Dame will not consider going anywhere other than Miami. So if Portland tries to trade him to any other team, he's going to say no. Yeah, it's tough. I think in a league where increasingly people just like bounce around all the time, he was one of those rare guys who had been in Portland his whole career. And it would have been really cool in the way that like there were always trade rumors about Kobe. And then he ultimately stayed with the Lakers for 20 years. And I think that made his legacy that much more impactful than if he had gone to the Bulls or wherever else. It would have been cool to see Lillard stay in Portland and also to see them build a winner around him. 
but he's not getting any younger. He works his ass off. He's one of the best players in the league. And I think there's only so many more years that he's going to put up with being there. And and I think it's kind of like when people talk about like Shohei Otani and, and Mike Trout, it's like they're incredible players, but how long do you want your legacy to be impacted by the fact that you can't even get to the playoffs? Or if you do, you're yeah. gone in one round. Right. So for full context, Damian Lillard, who's played on the Portland Trailblazers his entire career and is arguably the greatest Blazer of all time, he, this offseason, has requested a trade to specifically the Miami Heat, which is not exactly how trades work. If you have a trade clause like Bradley Beal had, that is how trades work. But if you are just hoping that the organization does this because you've been very good for them for many years, it's not exactly the same. We've seen some stars do it, like Anthony Davis did it, and... James Harden kind of did it, but those guys were in situations where they were on the last year of their deal when they did this. So it was more of a situation of like, hey, either trade me during the season now and get something in return, or when the season is over, I'm just going to sign as a free agent with that team. Mm -hmm. So that is a more normal thing to kind of do. Dame, unfortunately for the Blazers, is in the middle of his own very large Supermax contract. And that makes the trade harder just because he makes so much money. But then also, it's just tricky because there's not as much leverage there. His current contract goes until 2027. So it's got four more seasons on it. And he makes $45 million and then $49 million and then $59 million and then $63 million, which I'm just running the numbers. A lot of dollars, a lot of money going to Mr. Lillard. A lot of Dame dollars. A lot of Dame dollars. It's a tricky situation because almost a year ago, July 9th of 2022, Dame signed a full max contract extension with the Blazers, giving him this very expensive deal that goes all the way to the end of the 2027 season. And from a get-the-money perspective, it completely makes sense. But from a if-I'm-ever-considering-wanting-to-go-for-a-ring perspective, it doesn't work because now the deal has just kicked in this year and the Blazers aren't necessarily in the situation where they are looking like they can compete or trade away young players in order to be good right now. And it, it just all would have been different if he was like, hey, I'm going to write out this contract and then I'll just sign with another team. I think if he does that sort of thing, no one blames him. And a lot of these things where you have like lifelong guys then go to another team, depending on how they leave is usually like how it paints the perspective. Everyone right. in Toronto still loves Kyle Lowry. Everyone mm -hmm. in New York still loves Patrick Ewing because the Knicks traded him at the very end of his career. Right. Even though he was being kind of a diva about it that led to it, like nobody cares because there was other drama and he wasn't kind of forcing his way out. Dame is in a really tricky spot because it's like he has given so much to the Blazers. And as you said, the Blazers actively kind of fucked up his situation like multiple times making bad trades and bad draft picks and bad signings and all these sorts of things. But now this like is kind of a tough thing for Dame to do to put the Blazers in. Because when you basically say I only want to go to the Miami Heat, there goes your leverage and it's hard to get a good return for someone who's such a good player like Damian Lillard. Yeah, I think the one thing I would say is that sure, it would be great if he could finish out his contract with the Blazers and then go wherever he wants to go. But given how much longer that contract is, I would assume his mindset is like, look, I don't know how many more years I am going to be in my prime in this way, right? Mm -hmm. And am I going to continue to put up the kind of numbers I have 
for a team that objectively has no shot at winning the championship. And I think that's kind of where he's at. And, and it's hard to blame him for that, but it does kind of leave a, a, a bad taste in your mouth. So I know for sure that Blazers fans are like hurting right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've seen plenty of it from, uh, I don't know. If, do you know uh, Ian Carmel? I do. Yeah. It, probably the biggest Blazers fan I'm, I'm aware of. And I know it, it stings for him a lot, but hey, you know, unfortunately that's the, the business that we're in. And also... I will say that it would be kind of fun to see Dame on the Heat. It would be wonderful. It would be wonderful from a basketball perspective. It just would have been nice if Dame was thinking, and like, I don't know what changed, and I don't know what happened, like, and he can do this. Like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, he shouldn't do this. But like, we've seen other players do things with their contract where if this is a concern of theirs, then they have more of the freedom to do whatever they want. Like LeBron always would sign these like one plus one contracts, Mm -hmm. which is basically like one guaranteed year. And then I, as the player can decide if I want to opt in for the next year. And he would just kind of like keep doing this, which did make things very dramatic and stressful for his teams because there's always the pressure of like, we got to get more people in the door. Otherwise LeBron won't continue to be on our team. But on the flip side, LeBron has never forced his way out of a team. Like people can be dramatic about him, like going to the Heat. He's forced other people out of his team or coaches off of his team. (laughs) Sure. But But he's never done the thing that like Anthony Davis did or Damian Lillard is trying to do where it's like, I want to get out of here. Or James Harden. I want to get traded. Exactly. Or James Harden. I want to get out of here. I want to get traded. I want to get traded specifically to this one team. So there are things you can do. And I think it's fine for Dame to try to go for a ring. We do have like a rings culture, but like he seemed like the guy who was just like, I don't care. I just want to be the Blazers dude. And it would have been cool to have another one of those guys because I can't think of another one of those guys who has stayed with the team. I think Russell Westbrook was that guy for the Thunder, but then the Thunder traded him because it made sense from like a basketball perspective for them to trade him. But I don't know of anyone in the league right now that has been with the same team for a really long time and hasn't had any sort of championship success. Like I would see a world where Jokic is on the Nuggets forever or Giannis is on the Bucks forever, but it's a little easier to do that when you've won a championship. I would love to see another Reggie Miller not be because of the other things about Reggie Miller, since I dislike him, but his model of career of I'm on the same team the whole time and I'm going to try to ride it out. And if it doesn't work, no big deal. I know how much Indiana Pacers fans love Reggie Miller, despite mm-hmm. his terrible broadcasting, because he was on the team the whole time and he just stuck it out. Like, it would be cool to see another one of those guys. I get that the league's in a completely different place, but... Right. It felt like Dame was going to be another one of those dudes, which I think could have been very refreshing for the league to have someone like that. And now it's just tough because we're going to need another one of those guys. And I don't really see anyone on that trajectory quite yet. So you're saying that Reggie never got his uh, Kodak moment? (laughs) And with that, we get a complete full court press. Get it like the news. Next time around, we're going to talk more WNBA stuff because the WNBA All-Star Game is this coming weekend. We're recording this July 11th. It starts this weekend. And I'm very excited to watch the festivities and recap them on our next Full Court Press. Get it like the news. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will say one more thing about the whole Dame situation. And just Mm -hmm. in general, like we've probably talked about this before on the podcast, but I think it's interesting that people have this idea that pro athletes should be loyal and they should stay with one team. And there's a lot of that, like, oh, back in my day, people would just play on one team. The whole. It's like, yes, but also that is reflective of society. Like yeah. our parents and their parents, especially, were of the generation where you work for one company your whole life. And then after 30 years, they give you a gold watch and they send you on your way. 
and there was loyalty in both directions. That doesn't exist anymore in the normal workforce. Why would it exist in the basketball workforce? Like, mm -hmm. we are increasingly a culture where people kind of have to look out for themselves, partially because it's selfish, but partially because companies aren't looking out for them either. Like, it, it works both ways. And yeah. I guess my point is that, like, Yes, it would be great if Dame could play his whole career on the Blazers, but there's also accountability from the Blazers to have put him in a position to succeed more than they have. And it sucks that they didn't, but they didn't. Yeah, I think it's one of those what he's doing is totally understandable. It's just unfortunate, like the timing of how it all went down of like sign the big contract extension and then in the first right. year of the extension be doing this. Yeah, I don't blame players for trying to move around because I think the way the league is structured now, it makes more sense for a lot of players. And like back in the day, you would have these like awful contracts like Scottie Pippen famously was signed to like a seven year deal and he never yeah. really was paid his market value. So like yeah. I think the league is in a better place where players are getting more understandable contracts and they're getting paid their worth. Mm -hmm. But there are still things that it sucks where it's like, well, you didn't necessarily have to do this game. Like, obviously, we see why you did because you're getting paid $67 million in the final year. Like, that totally makes sense. That wouldn't have been the case if you didn't extend with the Blazers. But now it is going to come with some uncomfortable feelings towards him. But I think in the end, Portland is still going to love him as long as things yeah. don't get like super sour. And maybe he'll play with the Heat for a couple of years and go back to the Blazers. And it'll be like when Dwayne Wade came back to the Heat and everybody loved it. You know, that could happen. Well, for one final baseball reference, I look forward to the day that uh, Anthony Rizzo, when he's hobbling around, gets traded mm. back to the Cubs and, and spends like half a year there. We can all love him and celebrate him again. It would be fun. And I look forward to Shohei Otani, future New York Yankee. Uh, <laughs> uh, too angry to finish this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now we can get into the remaining portion of this episode where we will be doing another NBQ&A. It's been a minute since we've done this. Haven't done one since March. So Adam has stockpiled a bunch of questions and prepared them and organized them. And he put out the call for people to ask them. And as a reminder, we do an NBQ&A every single episode. And if you're a patron, you're guaranteed to get your question answered. So if you want to support us and also have a question answered, there's a surefire way to do it. So, shall we get into the questions? That's right. Yes, patreon.com slash horsehoops. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's get into it. A listener, uh, I believe the name is Aureo? A-U-R-E-O. Very cool name. I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but I do like it quite a lot. This question says, why does the NBA continue to play 82 regular season games when it's not economical and a high injury risk, as well as making regular season games relatively unimportant? My short answer is that, like most things, it's about money. I think that... Hell yeah, baby. Yeah, the, <laughs> it's about money. It's also about records. I think people care a lot about numbers, and they like the idea of, like, this person scored more points in an 82-game season than anyone else has. But I think the, the short answer is it's definitely about money. One thing that the NBA has done a good job of is spreading out the games. They are a unique sport because they're not really limited by weather in the same way that, like, Baseball could never start the season in March because it would be 12 degrees in, in Minnesota. But for basketball, the season used to begin basically like November 1st. Now it begins more like mid-October-ish. Mid the playoffs are too long. I've always felt that way, but that's really it. And part of the answer is that teams just handle the regular season differently than they used to. Like you don't see as many people playing every single game. Now there's a lot more load management, which refers to people either sitting out games so that they're well-rested towards the end of the year or not playing the, the number of minutes um, that they used to. But yeah, what's your perspective on all that? 
It's just money. It's truly money. It's the owners would never approve of having fewer games because each game just makes them so much money. And that's why the playoffs got longer and will never get shorter is because just like having more games in your arena means more merchandise sales and beer sales and ticket sales and people watching the game. So more TV money. And now with all the gambling stuff, people betting on the games, like it'll never get reduced. And it sucks because if we reduced the number of games, we would solve all these other problems that people love to complain about. I'm not that upset with load management like it just makes sense these people are putting so much effort in. they are flying around the court they're doing ridiculous athletic things so yeah they're gonna take some rest days and stuff Mm -hmm. you know how you get sore sometimes because you like walked a lot one day uh (laughs) imagine playing basketball for hours on end against the strongest biggest humans on earth like yeah you're gonna get a little tired and maybe need some rest so I think if we had fewer games, we wouldn't have to load manage. People would have proper rest. And also, like, as a fan, I don't know. I don't watch every game. I love the Knicks. I don't watch every game. You're one of the more dedicated sports fans that I know. But, like, there's no way that you watch every Bulls game or every Cubs game. Like, there's just too many. There's too many games. So I would love it if there was something like... 65 or even like 72 there's been different proposals where it's like oh if we reduce this because there's certain things where like you play each team in the whole league twice you play each team in your conference three times and you play each team in your division four times something like that if you just remove the four times in your division down to three that takes out a bunch of games if you just make it replay everybody two times that would be kind of cool like there's all these different really easy solutions that will never get picked up and the answer like most things being bad in the world is money Yeah, you are absolutely correct. Let's go ahead and move on to another question. This is a fun one. Okay, so at Digman Freud underscore 16 from Instagram asks, if something were to happen where you somehow couldn't root for the Knicks or Bulls, who would your new favorite team be and why? Oh, man. Ooh, ooh. I have an answer. Okay. I would love to see the Kings win a championship. Oh, that's good. That's a really good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think if I had to pick someone, if we're doing it like right now, it would feel hard to root for the Kings because I think if I have to pick a new team, I got to pick someone who's bad now. And then I want to have the same feeling like if That's the fair, Knicks ever yeah. win the title, I will be obnoxious. Oh, but yeah. also it will be earned. So I totally. feel like I would have to pick a team that was not doing well that I like saw some upside in. I will say, if this answer happened more in the future, I would go super hard into the new Seattle Sonic expansion team whenever the Sonics come back. Dude, I was thinking that. I actually, during the Home Run Derby last night, because the uh, MLB All-Star festivities are in Seattle, someone was wearing like an old school Sean Kemp jersey, and it, uh, it just made me like, oh, we got it. We have to get men's basketball back in Seattle. Yeah, it would be really nice. So I feel like that would be the pick. If I had to pick a team right now... I'm just looking at the roster. Mm-mm-mm. Also, do you know that the King's mascot is named Slamson the Lion? Yeah, it's really good. If it wouldn't be seen as, you know, the kid, like all they did was make it to the playoffs. They didn't even, did they even win a, a first round? I don't think so. They got eliminated by the Warriors. Yeah. So I might also pick the Kings and I don't think anyone would, would think too homerish of me. My other answer would be like potentially the Oklahoma City Thunder, but it's tough because they were the Sonics and they got so grossly stolen. Right. Like I enjoy 
the team, like the current team is fun to watch and like the way they've been built is kind of cool. And they do have a compelling story of, you know, they went to Oklahoma City, they were really good. Then things got all blown up with their stars and now they're like trying to get back. Like that's kind of compelling, but I can't ever truly root for them as someone who lived in Seattle for two years and is just programmed to despise what happened to the beloved Seattle Supersonics, which is truly atrocious and will forever be horrible. So yeah, maybe we would just be, we'll just be big big King fans and then we'd root for the same team. That could be fun. Yeah, that could be fun. That could be fun. I also will say in the same way that like, I would be happy for you if the Knicks won. I don't necessarily have anything against the Houston Rockets, but for our friend Chris Chan, I I do think that would be really cool because I, I feel like Based on when you guys were born, like, there's no way he was old enough to have appreciated their championships in the mid-90s. He must have been, like, a toddler. No, I think, I am pretty sure he's a Rockets fan because of Jeremy Lin. I think I'm so, too. I'm pretty sure yeah. he started rooting for them when the Rockets gave him that way overpaid contract and snatched him yeah, away from my yeah, beloved yeah. New York Knickerbockers. Yeah. So I think that is when his fandom began. Chris Chan's got some weird fandoms of rooting for all different teams for all silly reasons, but power to him. Yeah, what do we got? Uh, Broncos? Broncos and Rockets and St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. And I don't know if he roots for hockey and stuff, but you know, you know the normal Denver, St. Louis, Houston fan triangle. <laughs> Let's go with a with an oddball one just for fun that has nothing to do with basketball. Jerry Liu writes, hey, horse boys, this question isn't about basketball at all, but I've been following tennis recently and have come across a slightly controversial player, Nick Kyrgios. I was wondering what you two thought of him. Thanks, Jerry. I am not familiar with this player. Do you want to tell me about this player? Oh my gosh, I am actually a a little surprised. Not that I think you like follow tennis closely, but I just feel like he's got such a reputation. Um, Nick Kyrgios is uh, an Australian tennis player who is, uh, he's a punk. That's, that would be the best way to describe it. He is a hothead. He is someone who is incredibly naturally gifted, but throughout the course of his career, most people are just like, why doesn't this person try? That's pretty much the the book on Kyrgios is like, he is maybe more naturally talented than anyone we've seen, even including like the big, you know, Djokovic and, and Federer and Nadal, those guys. But there are times where he will just have complete meltdowns. Like he's like kind of a modern John McEnroe in the sense mm-hmm. that he is just like, he's got a terrible attitude. He throws his racket, he curses on the court. The one thing that he does that I really hate is that he'll like scream at his own box. So in tennis matches, you have your own like your trainer and your you know wife or girlfriend or whomever it is. I don't know if it's like part of his strategy, but he spends a lot of every match looking up at his box and either like gesticulating wildly or rolling his eyes or like screaming at them. I do believe he also had a domestic violence case against him, which is like Uh. completely in line with the vibes that he puts out into the world. There are times where he's like losing a match and he'll just stop trying. He'll like start hitting underhand serves and like hitting between the legs just because he decides that he doesn't care anymore. Mm -hmm. I do know that he was a focus of the tennis documentary that they came out with that was kind of in the style of like the Hard Knocks show for the NFL Mm -hmm. or... Or the Formula One Netflix thing. Exactly, that everyone is so into. So I believe that was called Match Point, something like that. Sounds right, yeah. If you look up Netflix tennis show, you'll find it. So very long way of saying... He is fun to watch sometimes, but I find him mostly frustrating and he just doesn't seem like a particularly good guy. 
Yeah, I love tennis. I play tennis. You and I go way back from playing tennis. You're wearing currently a tennis shirt from our tennis camp days. I just, for whatever reason, don't follow it super intensely. And I don't like watching it on TV as much. Mm. I don't know. It's just one of those... I feel this way about hockey. Watching hockey live, exhilarating. Watching hockey on TV, I can't get behind it. And maybe tennis on TV, I just don't think it translates. But like, I go to the US Open with my parents every year. It's like a tradition that we do as like a Labor Day mm-hmm. weekend trip coming up to New York. And I love playing it, but I don't know. I just don't follow it much. And I used to follow it more when there were more players that I like. I think part of it now in this like current era is like a lot of my favorite players either aren't good or retired like Serena Mm -hmm. uh, or the other thing is like Novak Djokovic who's a terrible person and an anti-vax nut and my biggest thing is I hated him before his anti-vax stuff because he was just (laughs) rude Um, I said the same thing about Aaron Rodgers hey nice nice I don't like that he's so good and he's like the best guy in tennis and keeps winning. So I think that's also a factor. Whereas I think I just saw earlier today, it looks like there's an American who just moved to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon and he yeah, seemed yeah. very nice in the post-game mm-hmm. interview. So hopefully he could become a big thing and maybe that would get me back into the mix. But yeah, I just haven't been following it as much lately. Glad I'm not like a big Nick Curios guy. He sounds dreadful. Yeah, he's a frustrating person to watch for sure. Let's move on, Ethan asks, what is your favorite moment in NBA history? Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Do you have an answer? I feel like with a Chicago Bulls fandom, it's a little easier for you to pick. Yeah, for sure. I think mine, it has to be the shot, like the final Michael Jordan shot in 1998. It's it's all Michael Jordan related, but sure. I would say game one of the 1997 NBA finals when Jordan hit that first shot over Brian Russell to win the game. And You'll love this. Uh, I don't know if you recall this. That game also involved, it was a tie game. Carl Malone got fouled, missed both free throws, which then prompted uh, Scottie Pippen after the game to throw his nickname in his face. Uh, Carl Malone's nickname was the mailman, and the game was played on a Sunday. And Pippen was like, well, I guess the mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays, which is like also just a funny postal joke. Yeah, I think that's the best sports insult of all time. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. And the stars aligned. It's so good. But um, yeah, so game six of the 1998 NBA Finals, which was Jordan's final game for the Bulls, what we thought was uh, and, and arguably should have been his final game of his career. But the Bulls were losing late in that game. It felt like the Jazz had all the momentum. The Bulls had had a chance to close out the series at home in game five. They lost that game, came back to Utah. They were down by three towards the end of the game. Jordan hit a layup. Then he hit that like magical shot after stealing the ball from Carl Malone. And I still remember the Bob Costas call of that, which was like, they show the replay. It's just that perfect angle that you've all seen in commercials. And anyone who's a basketball fan has seen it a million times, but we'll put the, the link to it. And Costas just goes like, that may have been the last shot that Michael Jordan ever takes in the game of basketball and, you know, what a beautiful finish that would be. Could Jordan let well enough alone? No, he could not, but either way. (laughs) That, and I'll give you a little bonus on behalf of your Knicks. I will say that my favorite Knicks moment was the Jeremy Lin game against the Lakers. Yeah, that's a really good one. I think it's tough because Linsanity feels like a period of time as opposed to one particular moment I might pick if I had to pick of Linsanity like the Lakers game was awesome also that three he made against the Raptors was awesome like yeah, all of Linsanity really I think cool. is probably the peak of my Knicks fandom especially in Toronto with everyone still rooting for him there like what a mm-hmm. cool moment 
There's a really good Linsanity mini documentary on HBO called 38 in the Garden. It's I think it's only like 30 minutes and it's just kind of about Linsanity and it focuses on like the yeah, Lakers game that. and a lot on that Toronto particular game. It was pretty cool. They got Jeremy Lin and and some really, you know, people who were around the situation and some funny people like teammates and then also like Hassan Minaj and like other people and of like course that. like Mike, uh, Michael Rappaport even though nobody wants to hear his voice he was in it probably uh, maybe not but like I feel like he's in everything all the time I think actually he's not in it because he like decided he was gonna be like not a Knicks fan he's like I'm rooting for the Nets like James Dolan sucks it's like we know James Dolan sucks it just he's never selling the team you just have to deal with it but I would maybe pick that the other thing if I had to go like for one clear distinct moment the Ray Allen shot to send that heat Spurs game six of the finals into overtime and then the heat to win the game and then to win in game seven. Like that is just truly, truly ridiculous. That whole shot was just, it's just like one of those, like, how is this possible? The script is so good. That's a great one. I think other than maybe that one's up there. I think probably the best game I've ever watched that didn't involve the Bulls was game seven of the uh, 2016 finals when the the Cavs beat the Warriors. Just unbelievable game. Ridiculous game. That one stung for me because I was rooting for the Warriors just because I lived in Oakland during that like first championship run and the Knicks were actively tanking. So I was rooting for the Warriors a lot. And then had I slowly retracted as they became like really, really good because right. uh, it just like felt gross to root for such a juggernaut. Once they got Kevin Durant, I was like, all right, I can't root for the Warriors. Like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it just feels bad. But yeah, that was I mean, objectively, an incredible series and an incredible basketball game. Yeah, a very sure. fun one to watch. So there's also other silly moments. There was a time Mike Miller in a finals lost his shoe and then made a really important three pointer. I loved that moment for a really long time. Just like a one shoe, one sock three pointer. And it was like a huge, crucial shot for a while. My Facebook banner on Facebook when I still used it was just the zoom in of his feet with one shoe on and one shoe off. Yeah, that was definitely a, a fun moment. Should we move on to the next one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, of course, we got to go for a a question from our pal Siobhan Ellsbury, uh, one of our longtime producer-level patrons. If you guys could draft an all-time fantasy team, players past and current, who would you draft and which of your teams would win? Ooh, yeah, that's Yeah, and she she ends it by saying LOL, but Siobhan, this is no laughing matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Take this seriously. I'm trying to think. I think the best way to approach this would be to just think about, like, stats-wise who historically would have been some of the best fantasy players. Like, I think Wilt Chamberlain is an obvious answer to like... Oh, does Siobhan mean fantasy like fantasy fantasy? Like fantasy sports fantasy? Or just like our fantasy, we get to pick whatever team we want fantasy? Are we going literal or figurative? That's actually a great question. I don't know. I guess we could do both. Sure. I took it to mean... Yeah, that's a good point. I don't. I actually don't know the meaning of what Siobhan... Uh, Read the wordage again. Okay. <laughs> Let's get linguistic. (laughs) Well, but also the intonation would matter. If you guys could draft an all-time fantasy... See, that's the point. If I say an all-time fantasy team versus an all-time fantasy team... Mm -hmm. Then it can mean two different things. So, okay, let's start with this. Let's let's start with, like, who were some players who were never on the Knicks that you would have loved to have seen on the Knicks? Sure. Uh, I mean, if we're just going, like, all-time any player forever, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, uh, it would be great to have Michael Jordan on the squad. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Throw Bill Russell on there? 
Yeah, I mean, there's lots of like all-time greats. Like, you know, you could get Shaq on the team. Mm -hmm. Tim Duncan is an all-timer. I think Steph Curry and Kevin Durant will go down as those big things. I think we could just do like right now, just like a straight like all-time draft and just like see who would win between our teams. I think we just do that. Like, let's each pick a, a five. We'll go one by one. Okay. And then just at the end, decide who we think has a better team. I'll do uh, here, left hand or right hand? Left. Uh, my left hand was not closed, which in my brain was, <laughs> no, let's rock, paper, scissors, shoot. That's way duh. Rock, paper, scissors. I was like, oh, I, a coin in my hand. I do believe you, but like that was such an easy way. Like I didn't know what the metric oh, was before yeah. I answered. I did the thing where I was like, the coin's in one hand and I didn't have a coin. And let's just rock, paper, scissors. That's how you do for the first okay. pick. All right. Yeah. So, on shoot? On shoot. Yes. Okay. I'm not a a monster yeah okay all right rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot. shoot all right both scissors this is this is good for an audio medium right it's all really right. good rock, rock paper, paper scissors, scissors shoot. shoot oh you got me all right you did rock i did scissors so Your first how pick. does this work i get to we each pick five players and once they're off the board no i think let's just go one by one just like it's a true draft and the pool is any player that's ever been in the nba before and so that means once i pick someone you can't pick them Right. So like you're going to pick Michael Jordan and then I have to pick not Michael Jordan. <laughs> With the first pick in the made up fantasy draft, I select Scotty. I select Michael Jordan. <laughs> All right. That makes sense. I'll just go 1B and I will take LeBron James. Uh, and I will also start typing out these rosters and we will decide which team we think is better. Are we just going to so do five? Adam, yeah, we'll just do okay. five. And then if they're playing five on five where no one got tired and we didn't have to sub anybody out, who wins? With the second pick... I am going with Shaquille O'Neal. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. That's a solid pick. I'll go with Steph Curry for my number two. Well, at the risk of having too many alphas on the team, I'm going Kobe. Ooh, okay, okay, interesting. And you've got, you've reunited the pair that certainly never had any problems, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. Everything was great. They patched it up towards the end. <laughs> they did, they did indeed. Okay, I think at this point... I am going to, oh, this is tough. There's lots of really good big guys. Mm. I will go with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for my third pick. Mm. Well, here's the thing, right? I've got Kobe, I've got Jordan, mm -hmm, I've got Shaq. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What I need is a facilitator. We can't just have okay. a, a whole starting five of alphas. Oh no, he's doing it. <laughs> this might, what do you think? I'm taking Kyrie. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to take Walt Frazier. <laughs> no, I thought about it. But with the with the fourth pick, I'm going to take Steve Nash. That's Look, that's not bad. I love Steve Nash. He would have been a thought of mine if I didn't already have Steph. I like Steve Nash. That's a fun one. All right, who do you have? Oh, now it's tricky. I can go a couple different ways. It's like, how old school versus new school do I want to be? I think, you know, I'm just going to go with... Hmm. No, I think in the modern NBA, he would probably adjust to it. I'm going to go with Tim Duncan. I'm just going to have nice, like, solid leadership, good defense and offense. I think he can stretch it out a little bit. So that's where I'm at. It's a great pick. Well, I guess with my final pick, I want to go power forward. Mm -hmm. You can make a great case for a lot of these guys, but I'm going to go with the round mound of rebound. Oh, We're going to nice. finally get him his ring. Yes. We're going to go oh, Charles, Charles Barkley. Yes. Oh, that's a good pick. That's a really, really good pick. Let's see. For me, I've got, I need another guard. My only guard is Steph. I need another guard. I need someone that can space things out a little bit. And, you know, I think this person 
kind of was a guard when they came in. I think I'm just going to get a little goofy with it. And the rest of my team is like incredible team chemistry vibes. So I think maybe I'll be okay with it not. I'll take Kevin Durant. And I think the rest of my team has such sound personalities that he's okay. not going to be like weird. So here are the teams. Yeah. You've got Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, and Shaquille O'Neal. I've got Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Tim Duncan, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Seems quite formidable. It seems like a tough battle. I think what we should do is we should put up a, a Twitter poll and an Instagram yeah, poll. Yeah, List I like these it. two like teams it. without uh, any context, but just say like, who would win oh, okay. a matchup between these teams mm-hmm. or who's drafted the better team? And then sure. we'll, we'll be able to report on what, the, on what the people think. Yeah, I think the lack of context certainly helps. First, because we don't want anyone to, you know, pick based on if they like one of us more, which everyone right. likes us evenly, it's true, uh, yeah. which is which is the case. But I think the, the context really would help me because, like, my big argument is, like, I don't think your teammates like each other. <laughs> like, I think I think the chemistry has not been factored into your team. But did team. I mention that Phil Jackson is coaching and he uh, does that make, get Does that make it better or worse? <laughs> makes it better. He's the, he's the great, That's the great manager of egos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can get Dennis Rodman to gel with everybody. That's true. That's true. We've got it. We'll see. We'll see what the uh, what the people say. I will message you the rosters for future social media posting purposes. Uh, do we, we want to close it out? Do we got? I feel like we got time for like one more question. Yeah. Let's see. We're we're getting towards the end here. There's some some ones we could answer pretty quickly. Um, mm-hmm. At double smoked on Instagram asks, when will we get a horse WNBA show? I can't say that there will ever be a a dedicated WNBA show, but what I will tell Mm -hmm. you is that we're going to have some updates next week about the All-Star Game. We're also Mm -hmm. definitely going to have our resident WNBA expert Jordan Liggins back on the pod. She's open to it. To, uh, to talk about WNBA things. We also um, had, had someone reach out about a, a potential fun interview guest that I don't, I don't want to tease in case it doesn't happen, but someone who knows a lot about the, the WNBA. So um, if that is a request that people have, we'll certainly try to involve more of that. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a, a spinoff pod necessarily. But No, I don't think there would be a separate one, but I think it would just be a matter of like talking about it more on the show, which now that the NBA is like getting truly into off season, I feel like we can, you know, do right. that a little bit more. This is the time, like, I don't care about summer league at all. Right. So I think now we're getting into the prime time of WNBA stuff. I think it's really going to ramp up. Totally. Um, all right. We got two more. One is really short. So I think we can get these cool. last two in. At Cheyenne uh, underscore Sedai, Sedai asks, uh, when I was watching the playoffs for the first time, I've noticed that under points, it says bonus and has a certain number of lines or dots that aren't always the same. So my NBQ&A is, what is that and how does it work? That <laughs> refers to, I would have to see the exact graph but I'm assuming what that refers to in terms of the dots. Bonus just means how close a team is to being over the foul limit. So coming into every quarter, you have, I think, is it five? It's five team fouls over the course of a quarter or two team fouls within the final two minutes of each quarter. Right. So what that means is that for the first few fouls until you get to that threshold. If you're playing, you foul someone and it's not a shooting foul. That team who got fouled just takes the ball from out of bounds and then they start the play over again effectively. Once you get into the bonus, meaning once your team has committed more fouls than that threshold allows, every time you foul someone, they get two free throw shots regardless of whether or not uh, they were attempting a shot. That's, I think, the the best Mm -hmm. way to describe it. Sometimes the little dots on the screen also signify like timeouts and stuff, but I think usually it's, it's fouls. Yeah, usually I most often see the thing where it's like bonus will be there and if it's lit up, the team is in the bonus and then usually the dots near it 
that's probably timeouts. I don't know that I've seen a broadcast where they're like actively tracking how close a team is to the bonus. It's usually yeah. dots for timeouts and then just bonuses either on or off. Right. And right. yeah, the bonus is there just to just to disincentivize a team from just fouling the ever living crap out of the other team. Exactly. Because at a certain point, you're going to want to be rewarded for your transgression or mm-hmm. I guess not rewarded, <laughs> but they will be punished for their transgressions, which is what Walt Clyde Frazier says when a team is in the bonus and it, it makes me smile every Every time. Protect Walt at all costs. Uh, Shoops, mm-hmm. currently wearing a Walt Clyde Frazier t-shirt. Given to me by you. That's true. That's true. All right. Um, final question. We talked about this a little bit so we can do kind of a, a more brief uh, overview. But at Josh underscore is underscore rich. Congrats on the richness, Josh. Support the Patreon, Josh. <laughs> yeah, come on, Josh. <laughs> Josh. Um, <laughs> we're sorry, Josh. Uh, it's okay, uh, Josh. Josh do on Instagram to, asks, what is up with the in-season tournament this year? Does it affect the regular playoffs? Um, do you have like a succinct way to answer this? I pulled up... <laughs> What? It's a mess. It's, it's a so, lot. Yeah. It's so confusing. And they, the NBA Instagram accounts have been putting up like infographic to make it easy. And it's like calculus. Every time I read one, it looks like the meme where it's like math shows up in front of you. The shortest yeah. way I can say it is like there is an in-season tournament happening this year. It will first kind of take the form of like Premier League and soccer, or I guess maybe not. It's more like if you do follow the WNBA, they have the Commissioner's Cup where it's like certain regular season games are also Commissioner's Cup games. So in this case, Mm. it's like, this is just a normally, this would just be a game between the Knicks and the Raptors. However, this game also contributes to the in-season tournament. And basically that allows for like round robin style stuff without having to have extra games. So certain games will be signified as like games that contribute towards the play in tournament. And then based on which teams win that, then later games will count based on the schedule. So it'll be like, oh, now that the Knicks and the Sixers did well in the in-season tournament games, the next time they play each other, it's the playoffs for the in-season tournament. So basically, like everything is just regular season games except for the one additional in-season tournament final game between the two teams that did the best in these regular season games that also count extra. They play that one in Las Vegas and then that's just an extra thing and then whichever team wins gets like a bunch of money and that's kind of it as far as the stakes go for now. Yeah, timing-wise, the the in-season tournament starts on November 3rd and the championship is December 9th. So like this will be going on for a month kind of within Mm -hmm. the season. I'll share a link to, uh, there's a thing on NBA.com that's like in-season tournament 101 rules format and how it works. I'll be honest, like I've read this thing a couple times and I'm still not entirely sure how this is all going to play out. Um, yeah, I guess good for them for trying to be inventive and, and do something fun or try to like, as as the earlier question alluded to, like try to make the regular season not seem so monotonous and long mm-hmm. and, and that it's like not as important as it should be. I kind of have my doubts about how this will go. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like I didn't necessarily know how I felt about the play in tournament. And that's turned out to mm-hmm. be a super awesome thing to watch. So, right. um, yeah, anyway, we'll share the link and that will give you more, yeah. more details than Mike and I could like try to explain. Yeah. My basic understanding is like, it's just regular season games with the NBA telling us like this one counts. And then I think right. 
they're going to take some of those regular season games that have turned into like the semifinals and those will like be played in Las Vegas instead. So there right. will be, I believe, like three games played in Las Vegas about the tournament, but really only one game is extra. And that doesn't count towards the record. It wouldn't affect seating in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's just like this extra thing. So there will be two teams who play 83 games this year instead of 82. I think this tournament would be better if it had like some weird stakes that like kind of help the team. There's things mm-hmm with this new CBA that like makes some contractual things harder for a team so that they're not just like spending way over the tax. So certain things like, oh, you can't sign players to this particular mid-level exception contract thing, or you can't get players off the buyout market who made this much money at the beginning of the year, et cetera. I think it would be cool if there was like a weird thing of like, oh, if you win the midseason tournament, like you can sign an extra dude, like something just like weird cap bullshitty that would be like fun and quirky. Or even something where it's like in between the first and second round of the NBA draft, there are like five spots that will be awarded to the teams that finish at the top. And then they basically get like an extra late round pick. You get the 31st pick, like, Mm -hmm. and everyone else gets bumped down or like, I don't know, you win and like you get one extra home game in the playoffs. Like, I think there could be like something to give it like some stakes Mm -hmm. that would be more than just like the players get more money, which like I'm sure they'd be incentivized by. But I think it would be cooler if there was just like something weird that didn't like wreck the league. Like, I don't think it should be. Yeah, you could do like a like when people do fantasy leagues and and the loser has to like do something silly. Like, you know, the the (laughs) Lakers beat the Kings. They have to the Kings have to like sing silly karaoke songs. Let's just have fun. That could be fun. I think the most brutal one I ever heard is what our buddy Chris Chan in his fantasy league does where the loser had to like take the SAT. I think that's the funniest, coolest, not crappiest one I've ever heard. Like that's terrible. It's just like a waste of five hours of your life. But it's very funny and like doesn't, you know, make anyone's life bad or I've heard of the punishment being you have to do stand up. Naturally, it's for people who don't do stand up. But I was going to say, wouldn't be too bad for you. And even I could like hold my own with it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. For you, you'd actively make money, probably. It's true. <laughs> it's great. True, it's true. All right. Well, I believe that wraps up our mm-hmm. our big time Q&A quarterly episode. But as I just alluded to, we, we try to do this like one, once every quarter, uh, maybe three, four times a year. Yeah. So if you do have continued questions, do keep sending them to us. Um, probably the easiest way for us to track them is if you send it to our email address, which is horsehoopspod at gmail.com. Or if you do it on Patreon, we keep really good track of the Patreon That's ones. A really good point. easy. That's a good really, point. really That's easy. A good point. But yeah, now the Q stands for quarterly as well as question. Ooh, fun. I like it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Kensei Suramaki. The music is by Bettina Kambamanas. The art is by Alison Wakeman. The website is by Kelly Schubert. And the social media is by both of the Horse Boys. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Roast Beef Debris, How About Them, World Champion Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Reed, Steph Curry is really good at golf. Four, except you wouldn't hear that if he's good, so I guess it would be That's like, true. as well, you said. He still hits bang. a bad shot every now and again. Sure, he's human. Exactly. Barely, but he is. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Trish. Nicole Arsenal. Stubby Boardman gets paid. Chase Underulo, Mr. Bubbles Plays Ball, Naked Rachel, and Sydney Crosby is a vampire. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Horse Hoops is in the bonus and they have to be penalized. They just committed too many team fouls and... They must be punished for their transgressions. Mm-hmm. And their punishment was getting banned from Twitter. But now they're on threads, so... 
They made it. Work. Oh God! Uh, I won't do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not do doing it, it either. Do it. I'm not doing it. Let's have a pact. I'm not doing it. All right, I'm in. I'm in to not be in. Yep. Um, but instead of spending your time on threads, you can go to our website, horsehoops.com, for links to some of the fun stuff we talked about today, including uh, great NBA highlights of Michael Jordan and also tr- us trying to share with you how this in-season tournament works. Let us know if you understand it, because we talk about the NBA a lot and we don't fully get it. It's very, what's the the Cones of Dunshire or whatever that they play in Parks and Rec? Yes, <laughs> it feels yes, like that yes. every time I read it. But yeah, you can also support the Horse Boys, as we've mentioned, by going to patreon.com slash horsehoops. Bonus audio, bonus writing, bonus video, lots of fun stuff there. We've been posting to it more frequently. We're going to keep that going. And you can also get merch. You can go to horsehoops.com slash merch. There's stuff nerds shirts. There's digital stuff. You can get the horse theme as a ringtone. You can get past live shows we've done. Lots of fun stuff over there. But we're going to close this episode out by putting our hands in the middle and saying something on the count of three, as we always do. Anything uh, jumping out to you there, Adam? Hmm... Well, my nephew turns two today. He definitely doesn't listen to the podcast or understand what basketball is, but we could always wish him a happy birthday. Sounds good enough to me. What's your nephew's name? His name is Malachi. All right. I think a happy birthday Malachi on three sounds good to me. All right. Let's do it. All right. One, One, two, three. three. Happy Happy birthday, birthday, Malachi. He's a cute. You did it. And one day you'll listen to this when you're old enough. This is a Marcus Explicit Podcast. And when you turn 18, you'll get to listen to this episode of Horse for your birthday. (laughs) It would be very interesting to listen to an episode of our 16 years from now and be like, what were we talking about in the NBA back then? Oh, man. Wild stuff. Wild stuff. Mm. Anyway, happy birthday, bud. Yay.